0: Hello and good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, June thirteenth, 2022. I'm Jonathan Hendrickson, the Associate Pastor here at Rose of Sharon Baptist Church. And uh, we're glad you tuned in to the podcast today. I've got with me... uh, the other, uh, well, the other two-fourths of our half <laughs> of, our, of, our, of our, we're missing a third here today. We'll put it that way, or a fourth here today. Uh, we're missing Jeff. He, he had some errands. He had a run today. Wasn't able to podcast with us. But I've got Jeremiah Custer, our youth pastor, and Blake Flincham, our children's pastor, with me on the podcast this morning. Uh, guys, we're going to uh, just jump right in today and talk about the message that Jeremiah brought yesterday. Yesterday at Rose of Sharon was our graduation Sunday. Jeremiah, I thought it was actually kind of funny because you said the, the whole thing of what I should be preaching is Jeremiah 29, 11. And, and it was like, because, you know, you think about it, it's like graduation Sunday. That is the passage. That's like the go to passage is like, well, you know, for I know the plans I have for you. And the truth of the matter is, guys, if I'm going to be really honest, I think sometimes we take that out of context. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I think well, yeah. I think there's I think there's I think there's, a, I think there's a lot of graduation sermons that are preached around that message. I think there's a lot of messages that are preached around that or preached around that text rather. I think there's a lot of messages preached around that text, and even graduation messages that take that that take that verse out of its context. It, it's I think it's more about Israel and the plans God has for Israel. And if you want to stretch it, the plan of salvation, like if you want to look at it in terms of you know gospel, plan of salvation, but the moment we start saying like. Really trying to narrow the scope on that verse twenty nine Jeremiah twenty nine eleven and make it about the individual. I think we do a disservice to the text.
1: Yeah, you agree with me on that? Yeah, it's like um, uh, it just it, we make it too. Yeah, you're right. We make it too individualistic. Yeah, which we do with a lot a lot of things. That's true. Ends up sounding very. Uh, I don't want to say positive, but pretty much just social social gospel and. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Motivation. Pros- prosperity gospel. Yeah, I think. Mean, yeah. I mean, it's.
0: I mean, you know, because Jeremiah twenty nine eleven gets on and puts on a bunch of motivational posters. Oh and, yeah. You know, and yeah. same thing with. Uh, well, the same thing with uh, the one was it Philippians that I could do all things through Christ who yeah. strengthens me, and it's like. You know, people take that verse and run with it too, and, and individualize it, and don't think that's what Paul was getting at at all with that. And he's yeah. talking about being content.
2: I was even at a, I think a high school graduation one time, and it was uh, that verse was mentioned Jeremiah twenty nine eleven.
0: Yeah, which okay. I mean, to be fair, look, if you're quoting scripture and you're trying to find some application, I guess it's okay. But from just from a theological standpoint, from like a preaching standpoint. Uh, i think we we mess up and we make it about the individual uh but anyway that's not what you did so it doesn't really matter for the, <laughs> for the podcast <laughs> no instead instead you went you went somewhere that um i thought was kind of cool man i i liked i actually liked what you did looking at uh david's uh final words to solomon he has a whole lot to say to solomon that we didn't talk about <laughs> we'll leave that for another sermon another yeah. time but but um uh, but David's final words to Solomon is he's basically passing the torch on, right? He's, he's getting ready to pass the torch on from... from uh, he's been this, he's had been this incredible king that we all know. I mean, this is, like you said, the same David that slew Goliath and the same David that, you know, uh, defeated the Philistines and, and conquered and, and, and was wealthy and brought Israel through a time of peace. There's just, just lots of great things you can say about David, right? I mean, other bad things we can say about David, too. But um, um, but here he is now at the end of his life. He's had a lot of time to reflect and a lot of life lessons learned, including his, his you know, only those to be real, his his uh, massive uh, moral failure with um, in terms of Bathsheba and Uriah, where he you know kills Bathsheba's husband in order to protect his, his reputation in the midst of him. An affair where he gets her pregnant, and I mean, that's pretty bad. That would be, that's scandalous in today's in today's terms. Right, and yet, um, so he's learned a lot, right? And we, we see that with with his the Psalms of repentance afterwards, and and how he realizes that uh, his sin is against God and God only, and you know, it's, so so this is a guy who really understands, and now he's going to pass the torch on to his son, and I really I, I know you said you stole your. Stole in quotation marks the the sermon title. I really like this sermon title. Last words are lasting words, and um, you know, you you gave some really good examples of of some last words. You gave several examples of last words that have, have stood the test of time, and 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 um, it did make me think. Like like is somebody just standing there with a notepad. Like oh, yeah. he's almost he's almost dead. Look, you know. What's he gonna say? What's he gonna say? And, like <laughs> sitting there and like trying to transcribe what the person's saying. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I mean, like, I uh, like even like with like some of them are, were really kind of powerful statements. I'm like, so you're on your deathbed, you're breathing your last, and you managed to get that out. I know. That's
1: impressive. I thought the same thing, but then in the same vein, I was like, there's not very many. I had to I had to scour the internet. Really. So like. It, there's a there's a lot that are just belligerent and kind of, there's some funny ones. I could have went a funny, a very funny route. Like mm-hmm. there's like nuns who uh well I'll just say it. There mm-hmm. there was a nun, she said something like I'm not about to die, uh can't <laughs> I can't I can't say it without laughing. But she said something like, I'm not about to die. Could a dying woman fart? What? And, she, and that was her last word. That words. was her last word. <laughs> <laughs> and she's a nun. Well, that's horrible. It's almost like, I guess. This like the worst last oh, words. Shit. I guess she just farted instead of <laughs> lost her bowels. I don't, I don't know why, but that's, there was a lot of. And somebody, what's worse is somebody
0: decided, you know, let's write this down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People.
2: Why, why are you intrigued by this? <laughs> yeah, why,
0: why are you writing those words down? It should one have been left in private. Yeah.
1: What, uh, a funny one was, uh not a funny one. It's kind of kind of creepy, but the last known or the last person to be executed in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. his last name was, uh, uh, free. What was his last name? Oh, uh, his last name was French. Okay. So his last words were, he said, here, here's, here's a quote for the papers, mm-hmm. French fries. Oh my god. That was his last words. <laughs> wow! And then they executed him. For wow! The, for murder, for heinous. You know, crimes. you know, he was sitting
0: in his cell the night before, going, "Oh, I got a good one." Uh, I got a, <laughs> I was like, How can I really make I'm use of my animal. last oh, I, I'm, about to, I'm about to go out with a bang. <laughs> I got a good one for him. Where do they hear this one?
1: Uh, so there's a there's quite a few last words that are recorded because. They were executed or martyred. Yeah, and those make sense. Those make sense because they know they're going to die. Or,
0: or I can understand too. Like we would consider, for instance, or I, I would, I know they were his last, last words. But like when we read First and Second Timothy or Second Timothy, right? Those are sort of the last known words that we have of Paul. Yeah, and 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 those words are to his, you know, to, to Timothy, and so. So to that extent, I, I think some people. These are the last words that they tend, These are the last words that they recorded for for posterity, and those I think are are, are sort of within that same category, yeah. is what I would say. Not just necessarily the very last words you say, but last words that are recorded that that you may be recorded uh, for for you know your for legacy purposes or whatever, right? I mean the the last thing you decide to write down. Um, but anyway either way the idea that last words are lasting words is 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 true um, i heard a guy say uh on another podcast one time that most of the time um it's funny like the celebrity dies right what everybody what everybody focuses on is what the the last thing they were doing is. They they focus on their death or the cause of their death rather than the the, the other part of their life. I mean, it's often the case that, that we just focus on how do they die? Oh, wow, were they doing drugs at the time? Oh, that's awful. And then that's it. They forget about everything else because what we do in the end, sometimes just like you said, it lacks, right? It, 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 it stays around. So I guess it's the same here with with. With David too, um, as he's as he's passing the tor- torch on to, to Solomon. Solomon. Let's just look at. Um, I mean, you just really used only about like what four verses here, I think Jeremiah. I yeah. mean, like as your, as your main text, which just comes comes from First Chronicles uh, twenty-eight. We'll just look at these uh, these four verses. This comes from the ESV. And so David is saying to Solomon, he says, "And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind." for the lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought and then he's another statement here if you seek him he will be found by you but if you forsake him he will cast you off forever then he says be careful now for the lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary be strong and do it so really almost like three commands there. Cause the first mm-hmm. one is he says, you know, he's saying, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. And here's why. Then basically seek God. And then finally um, do the things that he's told you to do. And then let's look at these other two verses because you skipped ahead from, cause you said, I, and I remember you saying this yesterday, that basically 11, to tr- 11 through 19, he's describing exactly how to build this house mm-hmm. because and he's got, he's, I didn't realize that. I, um, I've read this before. I don't know. Maybe it just kind of passed me over. But David is basically saying, look, I've, I've set you up for success. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, here's everything. Here's the plans. Here are the resources.
1: And I didn't go into details, but uh, God himself is talking to David earlier and says something like, because of the bloodshed, and that's why he can't build the temple. Yeah, yeah. But he also tells David, because of the bloodshed and because uh, you've been able to rout all of my enemies, mm-hmm. I'm going to give peace to Solomon. And so he even sets up, hmm. because of David's actions following hmm. God, he sets up, uh, he, uh, God is going to, to enter or allow Israel and Solomon to enter into a time of peace so that they could focus on him basically, and focus on uh, building their temple. And so, yeah, I mean... I could have went into so much further how David set him up for success but like really like big time. Yeah, it. and the thing is is
0: that you know you got to remember David wanted to build that temple. He wanted yeah. me to be the one to build the house for God and God says no, that's not what I've got in store for you. And some people look at it and go, well this is God punishing David, but I don't think it is. I think it's just that God had a different plan for David than he had for Solomon. And what you just said sort of confirms that, right? Cuz like he's saying because of the blood, because you've shed all this blood, you can't do this for me. But because you've shed all this blood, you've set your son up to do this for me. Um, you know, go ahead, Blood. I'm
2: sorry. Oh yeah, no, I was, I was agreeing with that. Oh, okay. um, and with the amount of success, I think it goes back to the Davidic covenant that there's going to be a, there's going to be an offspring of David that's going to come when David knows that, right? Yeah, and David you know. knows that, so. You know, and I'm thinking, like, if I'm in that time and I'm thinking an offspring is going to come, and mm-hmm. obviously the chronicler's getting at the restoration when the restorer is right. going to come. So, you know, I'm thinking David's like, well, maybe it's my son. Mm-hmm. And if not, maybe it's my son's sons, my grandsons. Right. Um, and if you look through that, you know first and second chronicles or first chronicles makes a lot of sense if mm-hmm. you interpret it through second samuel 7 oh yeah with the yeah, for sure with the davidic covenant sure so i think i think the success is all back to that covenant to mm-hmm. that davidic covenant
0: mm-hmm. so so the other the other two verses you used then, just jumping ahead to first chronicles 28 20 and 21 were And he says, then David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous. We hear that a lot too in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And God says the same words to Joshua. Mm -hmm. Be strong and courageous and do it. So I guess this is like, he's already said, be strong and do it. Then he gives him all what he's supposed to do. And he says again, be strong and courageous and do it. Like do this. And he says, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you, those are words we're going to hear again, uh, until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. And then verse 21, And behold, the divisions of the priests and the Levites for all the service of the house of God. And with you in all the work will be every willing man who has skill for any kind of service. Also the officers and all the people will be holy at your command. And I'm guessing you left that last verse in there because here again he's kind of explaining you're going to be set up for success. You don't need to worry about these things because God is not only, pr- practically speaking, are you going to be set up for success, but, and we'll get to this, God is going to be with you in, in what you're doing. And really, this is, so So what you focused on, because I know you were, you were kind of looking at a, a abbreviated time yesterday because you're doing Graduation Sunday, and so um, uh, to, borrow, to borrow a term that you use a lot, simple and focused, um, and so the simple and focused sort of message that you have here is you focused on two promises. And so that's what we're going to do here in the podcast. Let's just look at these two promises that that you sort of mined out of those four verses that we just read. I mean, there's a lot more there than just the two promises. Mm-hmm. And I know you know that too. <laughs> but let's look at just these two promises. Because I think that—I um, think you're right in that uh, if we're looking at, um, you know— uh, Setting someone up for success, or when we're looking at a graduation Sunday, for instance, we're talking about these students who are who are moving on and into the next phase of their their career life and, stuff and such. Um, what are some practical things, right, that they carry with them? What, and not just for them, but this is for everyone um, because. And you, I like that. I like that how you did that. By the way, you kind of made this a broader a broader approach because. What we're going to talk about here applies to those who are already Christians, those who are serving God uh, and have placed their faith and trust in Christ, and even those who have not. Because the first promise is that if you seek God, you'll find God. Mm. If you seek God, you'll find God. And that's what what he says to him. Um, He says, um, if you seek Him, He will be found by you. But if you forsake Him, He will cast you off forever. And very clearly, there's... I mean, when we consider that in terms of the gospel, mm-hmm. um, that's true, right? I mean, you, you pulled you pulled a, a couple of New Testament passages, Jeremiah, in regards to that, you know, Jesus saying, ask and to be given to you, seek and you will find. And of course, later in Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so it's very clear that God, uh, I, I like how you put it, that we're we're to seek him and if we seek him, we will find him. I love the hide and seek analogy that's that's great I, I thought I thought that was brilliant. Um, the idea that you can't play hide and seek with Jesus because the moment that you open your eyes he's found because that's what the promise says right yeah. It's not like it's hard to find him. If you're going to seek him, you will find him and and the, and the reason why is because he is eternally, Seeking us,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that you know, when you think about that, guys, that's a that's a concept that I think a lot of people miss. Uh, you know, I don't know how much you guys have thought, have studied on this. Probably, probably quite a bit because you both have gone through seminary. But there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot that's been written on the hiddenness of God. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like,
1: yeah. And the mystery. Yeah, yeah, and the
0: mystery of God. Yeah. Like, like, um, well, for starters, that that. That we can't comprehend God because He's He's God, and so our finite human minds can't even con- can't 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 con- the bet we can barely conceive of Him because we have finite minds. But even so, even if we could conceive of Him, we can't ever know Him truly because He's too He's too wholly other than we are, um, and and because like. Because if he creates the universe, then he cannot be like anything in the universe, right? He, he, not, there's no analog to God in the universe because he created it, right? So there, there, there's, there's no—the the closest that we have, we are made in his image, right? And that's, that's about the closest we get. But even so, none of us would say that, that mankind is, is equivalent to God or that we have equivalency with God. And so there's this idea that he can't be known, he can't be found, he can't be seen. Um, And I want to push back on that. I know you guys do. I mean, what would you say to someone who says that? That, like, God's so wholly other, so totally different from humans, that we can't know him.
2: Well, I think, obviously, that's the beauty of the incarnation with Mm -hmm. Christ is that, you know, Jesus left his omnipresence, his his, um, heavenly riches. Um, that greek word there's that kenosis he emptied himself up mm-hmm. and he came and he lived as a man mm-hmm. like no different than you and i with our physical bodies right and he came and dwelt among us it, in uh, john it says that the um, the word became flesh and that's a uh that's a powerful statement right there how that happened you know i think you know it's a that might be a little bit of a mystery. <laughs> but, um, but. We could he, talk about that all day. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Makes, I, think I think it's
0: really complicated, yeah. I think. But.
2: but he did come, and even in Hebrews, it says we have a great high priest, Jesus, mm-hmm. who is able to uh, sympathize with our weaknesses. And right. Because like, he experienced that. He experienced a lot of sorrow. He knows, you know, what we go through. And um, he. Obviously, we couldn't, like, get to God, so he comes to us, mm-hmm. and he reveals himself in a way that we understand. Right. And I don't want to be, like, you know, like, us-centered, individualistic, but he came because, you know, we are blinded. Yeah. Because, um, cause like, in Psalm 53, and I think it's reiterated, like, in Psalm 14, I think. It's, like, no one seeks after God and mm-hmm. this, so... But I like what you say. He is the one who is seeking after us. Yeah. And that comes with the incarnation. And with that, you know, when you've heard a lot about this, I think then you do have that opportunity to see, like, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. And I think of, like, Cornelius Mm -hmm. in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it says that he was a God-fearer. It didn't say he was a Christian yet. Right. But uh, he was a God-fearer. He had been trying to learn, and the Holy Spirit... Uh, allowed for Peter and Cornelius to meet up, mm-hmm. and I think it's I think the scripture is very clear is that like if you're seeking after God, you will find God.
0: Right. So Jay, do you think that uh, when when we're talking about uh, um, God and His hiddenness and all, do you think that 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 God was hidden from mankind until Jesus or is it the case that he's never really been hidden? We just, uh, we just weren't seeking. Like You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, so... That's a good question. <laughs> uh, it's a real good question. I know he wasn't hidden in the garden, right? He was, like, wide open. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, he started that way. But then we've got we to we rely on the fact that he's not hidden because he has chosen to reveal himself to us. Mm -hmm. And so even from the beginning, even after the fall, he is revealing himself in a bunch of different ways. But the main the main way for us is that he revealed himself through the scriptures, through his word. Right. And so he he has told us everything he wants us to know about him. Mm -hmm. Now, the New Testament does talk about this mystery. Right. But I think for them, the mystery was not God, Mm -hmm. not, not that God was a mystery but that how is it that he is now grafted in the gentiles they mm-hmm. they speak a lot about that yeah. that's the mystery that has now been revealed that was hidden before jesus but now has been revealed in jesus that the gentiles can now have a relationship with Well the prophet
0: said that it would be that way. I guess they just never understood how it was going to be that yeah. way. Like is everybody is everybody going to become jewish or you know yeah. cuz you have to wonder because i mean even in the even when God's making the covenant with Abraham, He's telling him the whole world will be, you know, basically rescued through you. Like, you know, yeah. and it's like, well, how is that going to work out? Or is everybody just going to become Israelites? You know, because that doesn't. But they never even. It seemed like they never really questioned that. I guess they thought that either they were going to conquer the world, or that that everybody would just kind of come over onto their side, but. Yeah, it would have been a mystery, right? How are we going to bring in the Gentiles, the non-Israelites, the non-Jewish people into, into this into this family, and it's revealed through, through Jesus?
2: Well, even in, like, I, I think of, like, Isaiah, where it's – Isaiah is, like, you know, that's, that book's also called, like, the fifth gospel because of how much the nations and salvation is proclaimed. And even – you see it right off the bat in, like, Isaiah 2, two. It's like the – like, the nation will flow to, you know, this redeemer with a Mm -hmm. New Testament lens on that. And, but he, God even tells like Isaiah, like what you have here is a stubborn and a stiff neck people bind up these words and they'll be used for later. Mm -hmm. So I think even if they wanted to know they wouldn't have because of their stubborn and their sinfulness.
0: Right. And this, this kind of brings up another big question, Right. And this is one that I know you and I have talked about before in the past, not on on air necessarily, but the the idea that so the promise is that if we seek God, we'll find it, right? And and that that starts in that, the earliest the earliest recorded part of that is Deuteronomy four twenty nine. I know there's a lot of other verses you shared a bunch of them, but you know, God says to to his people, seek the Lord your God; you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. So, if you search after him with all your heart and your soul, the promise is you will find him. What if you don't even know that's what you're looking for? What if what if mm-hmm. like you you know you are someone on the other side of the world who um, you know you're one of those um, millions of people who have no access to the gospel, um, but you're searching for him. Can he be? Do you think he's found? I mean, it seems like this is a promise, right? And if that's the case, then then he can be found. Um, I mean, is is this the answer to the question everybody gives? Of what about the guy in Zimbabwe that's never heard of Jesus and he dies? Is he is he automatically you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like is he automatically saved? Is he he's ignorant? He didn't know any better, or or you know, and I know our answer is the Bible does. Is the Bible just simply doesn't give any any uh it doesn't give us any uh like excuse to to not go and tell that guy right because it doesn't seem like the Bible's pretty clear the only way to to god is through jesus christ and through the gospel if that's the case then the gospel must go to these people but what if someone's seeking god but they don't have access to the gospel what what then what do you what do you what do you think German, huh?
1: Because this is a question people ask. Yeah, this is probably the most relevant when it comes to, like, for non-Christians. What does this look like? Um, And especially because our worldview, we're on the 2020 side of understanding the world and we have access to a a lot more knowledge and people groups and Mm -hmm. countries and who has access to churches and Christians. And so we're just thinking logically, like, okay, well, what about... For me, always growing up, I I was like, well, what about the American Indians? Like the ones who were here before us. Right, yeah. Who I had always heard that they were uh, panentheistic uh, or maybe pantheistic, depending Mm -hmm. on how you want to look at Mm -hmm. that. And they're just kind of all about nature and that God is everywhere. And that uh, uh, Mother Nature is kind of in everything and Mm -hmm. just those types of religions and, and thoughts. Um, But I really believe, I really do, I believe that if someone is truly seeking God, he will reveal himself to them. Mm -hmm. The main way he reveals himself to us is through the scriptures. Yes. But then we got to ask the question, what about someone who doesn't have access to the scriptures? Right. Well, then the, the other way is that he sins. I think I think people seek and God sends. Yes. Yeah, I, I really so, yeah. do because like, like it's it's it. You could you could pull it out of the text. I know I didn't like do exposition of the text, but like I, I find it interesting that David says, "Look, uh, God is he's never going to leave you or forsake you." Mm-hmm. And I know that's the second part, but then he gives this list of people who are going to help him, mm-hmm. and it's like. Well, if I have you, God, why do I need others? Mm-hmm. And, and I think God all throughout the scriptures is saying, that is me working. I've uh, sent yeah. others to help you. Right. I've sent others to be my hands and feet. And that's something that happens. It's definitely clear in the New Testament. But it happens even in the Old Testament. When, yeah. He when. sent prophets. He sent priests. He sent. He right. called out people. I mean, people, You like Moses, you would look at Moses and be like, all right, he's a lost cause. But God called them out, raised them up, gave him a, a mouthpiece, mm-hmm. and sent him to do his his work. Right. Well, we like, would say it was God who did it. But if you're being super critical, you're like, "No, Moses did all that, right? Like, no, God did it, but God did you it using Moses. Moses." Yeah.
2: When, like in Romans 10, where it's uh, Paul's writing, "How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news?" He's actually mm-hmm. quoting an Old Testament yeah passage yeah, there. So that's not like a like you were saying, it's not like a New Testament, like different time or anything like that, but that's been the plan how God uses, how God works is through people. Yeah. Um, he doesn't ha- have to need to, but he wants to. And I think that's awesome. I good. think often he does.
0: Now, that doesn't yeah. limit God. It doesn't say that God can't just act on his own. Right. Like he's, right. he's God. He can do what he wants, you know, but I think so often he does choose to. I mean, we see him, and he says, "I'm using this foreign nation to exact judgment on you," and, I, and like he he tells the Israelites that, like I, this is me. When when Babylon attacks you, understand this is me yeah. using them, wielding them as a weapon against you <laughs> um, to judge you because of your disobedience. So there are times where, where 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 God certainly acts on His own. I mean, we see Him do that through. Um, you know, different acts of nature and things like that, and supernatural sort of things, but there are also times where he uses people. You know, um, certainly, like, you could look at the plagues, and, and Moses isn't the one that brings those plagues. That's clearly God. And God says, It'll be my hand that does this. Yeah. It's my hand that does this.
2: And I think of Habakkuk, too. You know, he's like, What in the world's going on here? And, and, mm. and uh, God's using this foreign country that's going to come in. Right. I think it's a. Uh, Assyrians, if right? I'm not mistaken. I um, think
0: I think it's funny because I actually think these two things sort of tie together what we're talking about here um, with the two promises. Because you mentioned that God, sometimes the way that God is found is through these other people, right? He's found because He uses other people. Um, if you seek Me, you will find Me. I'll send a messenger to you. You know, I'll, if you're seeking Me, I'll, I'll send someone. And and um, and then, like you mentioned. There are times where we're like, well, okay, uh, you know, did, uh, is is this God? Is this is this you know is this God? Is this not God? And I'm, I was thinking about that joke that, that that everybody tells about the the guy who's in the middle of a of a rising flood, and he climbs on top of his roof, right? And and uh, and and he's like praying to God, God send God send help, send send me help. And someone shows up, and or, you know, God help me, basically. And, 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 and someone shows up in a rowboat, and they're like, hey, we got a rowboat here. Just jump in. He's like, no, 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 God's going to rescue me. God's going to rescue me. And, and, and then, like, you know, somebody else shows up, like a helicopter shows up. And they're like, jump on. You know, the, the water's getting too high. You, you, you need to jump on here. And he's like, no, 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 I've prayed, and God's going to rescue me. God's going to be the one to rescue me. I'm like, okay, you know. And, you know, so these different forms of rescue show up, and eventually the guy just drowns he goes to heaven, he's like, God, why in the world didn't you rescue me? I was praying. He's like, well, I sent you a boat and a helicopter. What else do you want me to do, right? So it's like, you know, that was me working. That was me doing that. And, and so, um, you know, I, I think so often, we, and we do the same thing in terms of God's will too. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that gets to your second point, Jeremiah, which is that, um, the second promise, if you follow God, he will never leave you. And this gets into the, what I think is the will of God, right? Like, what is God's will for my life? Uh, is it this nebulous thing? Um, do, and, and it goes, you know, is, uh, when... I think it's funny because, uh, for starters, I think that sometimes we have people in our lives who God is using to sort of mold us and shape us and direct us into what he wants us to do, which is to follow him and to serve him, right? And and the whole time we're like, is this God? Is that God? Is this, is this what God wants me to do? Like, and the whole time God's like, look, no, what I want you to do, what my will is, is for you to follow me. Mm-hmm. And then like, I'm using these people to help make you a better follower, right? Um, And so I I think that that has a whole lot to do with it. But let's talk a little bit about the will of God here and also the idea that if you follow God, he'll never leave you.
2: I think there's a few places in Scripture that's pretty clear on what the will of God is. Mm -hmm. And I I know this sounds kind of rough at first, but there's some things you don't have to pray about if it's God's will or not. Mm -hmm. Like, should I share the gospel with my brother? Yes. You know? Yes, you should. Should I... Pray for my sick neighbor. Yes. There's some things where, like, you have clear directives. This is what you do, mm-hmm. you know. Should I live on mission? Yes. You know. Mm-hmm. It's more like the how on that, you know, that might not be as clear. Right. But I think of, like, in 1 Thessalonians 4, I think it's 4.13, it says, this is the will of God for, your like, your sanctification. Mm-hmm. and. I don't know how y'all feel. I I tend to think it's like two different things here. It says your sanctification, and then that you abstain from sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Obviously, both of those combine, right? But yeah. I think I think you can take some truth that, like, your sanctification, and which that means growing closer to Christ, becoming more like Christ, in right. Your life is the Lord's will for your life. Yeah. So the way I can and obviously. To abstain from sexual immorality is obviously the Lord's will, in that too. Um, but I think there's a lot of time we can say we can see some of the basic things like your sanctification, mm-hmm. and I can ask myself, well, would this help sanctify me? And if the question's no, then it's probably not the Lord's will, because it's pretty clear that the Lord's will for my is my sanctification. How that looks like. You know that can be kind of tougher to, you know, a little bit tougher to discern. You know, like, yeah, uh, you know, I'm thinking about grad son in youth camp this week. Obviously, a big question is, is this rela- You know, is this girlfriend, is this boyfriend, mm-hmm. God's will for my life? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that passage in First Thessalonians is a great, you know, like litmus test, if you will. Yeah. Are you growing closer to Christ through that relationship? Are you both pushing each other towards Christ? Yeah. And are you abstaining from sexual immorality? And if the answer is to no to any of that, then that relationship is probably not the Lord's will. You know, that's just an example of kind of yeah. how we we'll think through that. I
0: like kind of what you were saying too, Jeremiah, and it goes along with what Blake was saying. In, in the message yesterday, he said, look, if you want to know the will of God, he's made it pretty clear it's in his word. Mm-hmm. That if, if, if what you're doing... Um, if you're, if what you're doing is is not running contrary to God's word, then it's probably okay. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's, and especially if it's in in terms of like, I don't know, I'm, I used to get really tripped up on this guys. I used yeah. to be one of those guys that was like, um, I I want to know what God's will is for my life. I want to know what the next step is. I want to know, am I supposed to be in this job? Am I not supposed to be in this job? Am I supposed to be in this relationship? Am I not supposed to be in this relationship? God, what's your will? And um, as I grew older, I have determined that. I think that those are questions that are, it's not that you can't pray about them and ask, okay, God, is this okay? Is this what you want from me? But I think really the question we ask is, is just what you were saying. One is 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 this job, is this relationship honoring God and furthering the gospel? Is it in line with scripture? If it is, then yeah, it's okay. But I, I think I think the thing I don't think we need to try and this gets to that whole idea, Jeremiah, of is there just one plan for my life? One one person that I'm supposed to be with, for instance, right? The, the the idea of of, of a soulmate, right? Because there's a lot of people who have this notion that there's one plan, one right way, and our job as 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 followers of God and Christians is to find that, right? We have to mine that and try and figure out. And if you if you and if you do anything less than that, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have a satisfactory life. You're not gonna be in God's will. Um, you're gonna be you're gonna be doing things that are contrary to God's will because you didn't you didn't marry the right person you didn't uh, take the right job and I think there's people who really sweat and toil and and worry and and are, and are anxious over questions like that and I think they're the wrong questions.
1: Yeah, and this is a uh, this is a whole other sermon which I'd actually like to preach maybe in the future, but. It's tough, right? Because, like, even in our text, right, we've already said it. It seems like there's a separate plan for David Mm -hmm. than there is for Solomon. And so, when you look at that, you're looking at the logical question for us, really, is Mm -hmm. to be like, all right, well, I got to find my plan. Right. And I think David and Solomon would both tell you, no it's really the plan mm-hmm. and David got to do the plan up to this point mm-hmm. and Solomon got to do the mm-hmm. plan up like to like a that. second like point yeah and I think we're in the same boat yep. right mm-hmm. there's one plan right not that one plan for me mm-hmm. one plan for everyone mm-hmm. and I'm supposed to it's my job to go from this point and get us to the to the next point right right and mm-hmm. and for me, I know this, I mean, it's gonna sound crazy, but I think for the last 2,000 years, it's the same plan for all of us. Mm-hmm. And that's the the, the the Great Commission and why I went to the Great Commission. I think that's the plan. And so, you wanna start asking questions like, does does this job help me fulfill the Great Commission? Mm-hmm. Does Will this woman encourage me to mm-hmm. help me fulfill the Great Commission? Mm-hmm rather than because the other way if you're just asking uh is this part of my will you're doing basically two things uh you're kind of jumping into the american dream trying to figure out how you can level up mm-hmm. it's all about leveling up right uh i got to level up to the to the woman to, to get the 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 family to get the house i got to get the right job so that i can get the house the family right, the right. house right it's all leveling up and Sure, you can do that as part of the plan of God, but that's not the plan of God. Right. The other thing that you're doing when you ask God, God, is this your will? Basically, what you're asking is, is can you tell me something else you haven't already told me? Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, really? Like he's already revealed his plan. He's already revealed his will to you in the scriptures. And you're basically asking, hey, can you reveal more? Like, can I get, you know... And and it's or, okay. It's okay to ask for wisdom because right. the Bible does talk a lot about discerning God's will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, while I think it's static, I think it is our job to discern it. Not that it's hidden. Not that it can't be found. Right. But, but more along but,
0: the lines of what we were just saying. What you were saying again. Will this job help me fulfill the Great Commission? Will that's to me that's the discerning that you do. Right. You're discern the discernment that's going on there. Discerning God's will. Is saying, okay, I know what God's will is. Will this thing that I'm pursuing help me accomplish that? When I heard, like, uh, I heard,
2: you know, talking about, like, the discerning God's will. I was hearing a Danny Aiken talk at the, um, I think it might have been at your graduation. Um, he said that, um, in like, in ministry and whatever that looks like for any of us, there's a lot of times you're going to have to choose between a good option mm-hmm. and a better option. hmm And I think when it gets to scenarios like that, that's when it's really hard to discern Mm -hmm. and where the need to ask for wisdom comes in. Yeah. Because there's a, I mean, I can, we can do a lot of good things for the ministry of the Lord, but is it always the better thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think there's a, I think there's a balance in that and trying to find, trying to, Discern what the yeah, God, what God's will, but you do. think about
0: it, man. If you if somebody took that approach and said, okay, there is just one plan, right? How much pressure does that take off of the individual, bro? I've
1: been trying to say that forever, like it's so relaxing. Yeah. It's like because I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to discern, yeah, but what does God want me to do? Am I supposed to marry this girl? Um, but it's so releasing and yes. so free. Yes. That this is it's it's pretty simple. This is what God wants me to do. And I think we've way overcomplicated it. I do too. Um and so like I teach this to my students, and I know these last three graduates, man. They they I know they thought about this. But it's the same thing when you're going to college, mm. like, God, what's your will? Mm-hmm. Uh and I, I told them, and I know y'all, you taught, Autumn at home, and I know uh, Ronnie and Sherry taught the boys at home. Like, look, you want to ask the question: How can I fulfill the Great Commission in college? What's what's which situation is gonna give it set me up where I can serve God the best? Mm. And um, I mean, if that means you go to Harvard, if that means you go to Durham Tech, like. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like in the kingdom, it's all about, it's just the one thing. It's the one simple focused thing mm-hmm. of the Great Commission.
2: When like I heard going to the college so thing, you know, I heard it was more of a, like a secular talk of the, you shouldn't ask like where to go to college, but why to go to college. And obviously it wasn't talking about like Christianity there, but I think you can apply that same question to Christianity. Like I think our first question shouldn't necessarily be where we're we going to, but why should we? And like you said, to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, where could that happen at best? You know, that's.
0: So you know, where you might l- be l- that. let me ask you guys this. So if I've got, let's say I've got options, um, you know, from just a ministerial uh, perspective here, um, I, you know, I'm looking at uh, two different churches that, that I can go and serve at or something, right? At Church A and Church B. Both of them, I feel like I can I can fulfill the Great Commission at both of these places, um, and there's there's not a you know there's not a um, a clear like s- supernatural kind of pull one way or the other, um, but I have both options or live options right. At that point, do you think it's okay to consider practical things like okay, where 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 is my family going to best fit in? Um, which of these, which of these options will, will help me financially, um, to, to sustain my family? Um, you know, uh, which of these locations do I actually have a preference for, or is it wrong, you know, or, and to take the advice of other, of other brothers and sisters that are around me, um, is it okay to consider those things in terms of that, if I feel like I can fulfill the Great Commission in both of these places?
2: i I've struggled with that same question <laughs> because mm-hmm. like in kids ministry there's a big demand for like kids' position, especially because a lot of churches prefer to have a kid's pastor being a guy mm-hmm. but a lot of times guys in Southern Baptist world just simply do not want to do kids' ministry right so i've you know I've had a couple churches you know reach out and this and you can serve the great commission anywhere but practicality i think i have for me personally i have considered those practical reasons in mm-hmm. that because like for at this point in my life i do feel like it's the lord's will for me to study at southeastern seminary mm-hmm. to train more in righteousness and to know more about the lord and let that you know sanctify me more and i think the best way to do that is on campus, mm-hmm. have been in on campus classes, mm-hmm. so it wouldn't make sense for me. I don't. I wouldn't think to go to Charlotte or Wilmington or somewhere like or New York City or right. somewhere like that because it, I think. Practicality—if that's one thing the Lord is, I know for certain He's calling me to. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't make a lot of sense for me to go anywhere, okay? You know, yeah. So I've, like, I've considered that. A lot of these, you know, were much better on the finances, mm-hmm. much, much better on the finances. Right. But the calling and the purpose, I think, overruled mm-hmm. the finances yeah. there. Yeah. So. That's yeah. just you know kind of how I've discerned yeah. some of it you know, with you know just me personally. Right. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think,
1: Jerry? I think that the I think that the moment the practical things uh, outweigh the purpose, mm-hmm. then you have a problem. Right. But like I said, we want to we, we I preach that this is freeing. This is, this is not a restrictive thing this right. is a freeing thing meaning that if you have two great options mm-hmm. and your per your, the, 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 the real goal is the purpose and not the pra- practicality mm-hmm. then you could legitimately choose both and still be in the plan of God yeah that right but at the moment that for instance the paycheck outweighs the purpose right. you've, you're you''re you're no longer in the will of God right wow. so so I don't I, I think it's smart to look at the practical like where's my where's my wife gonna work or how uh, where are my kids gonna go to school or uh, so if we're moving uh, where are my kids gonna go to school uh, am I gonna have to get a second job Do, those are just smart things to ask mm-hmm. but that's not the purpose restricting you it's just that those things can't I don't think those things should outweigh or overcome the purpose right um, because in that point, you've made the purpose just too complicated, and I think it's not—it's not meant to restrict. It's meant to expand and to free you up. To, right? Hey, you can serve. You can serve whether you're in Africa or you can serve whether you're in Durham. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think that people are maybe called to specific areas. I really, I really think that, and God makes that thing pretty—that pretty clear. And that's what I meant
0: by like, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's. The best word I know, I know to use here is a supernatural, excuse me, a, a spirit, like a spirit. There's a clear calling of the spirit. You know. Yeah. You sort of know. Okay. I know that all practical all practical things are telling me this is not the way to go, but the spirit is saying go here. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's different. But I'm saying like, I've had guys, you know, I've had guys call me up for advice before. Former students of mine call me up for advice and say, Man, I'm thinking about this job. and I'm just not sure if it's the right one or not. I don't know if this is God's will for my life. And I'm like, can you serve God there? Can you serve the Great Commission there? Um, are you are you able to do that? And he's like, well, yeah, okay. Well, then you can, yeah, take the job. Yeah. You know, if you if you think that you can serve the God and and, and and pursue the Great Commission there, then yes, that's that's fine. Do it. Yeah. You know, um, if you know, if the only I'm like you, if the only reason you're taking it is like, oh, wow, that's got a fat paycheck attached to it. Then, yeah, that's a problem, right? Because then if you're not looking at the reason why you're actually going uh, and and weighing that in in to first, then, Mm. yeah, you've got got issues. But I'm like you. I just think – and I think this applies, and not just in terms of jobs. I think this applies – my wife doesn't like it when I say this. But I think this applies in terms of relationships. Not once you're married. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Once you're married (laughs) – I actually I actually say it all the time. I um I don't think my wife was my soulmate. I think she became a soulmate to me. She is my soulmate now. Um, there's no doubt about that. But my wife became that as we committed to one another, right? And and uh but I think that that, you know, could I have could I have married someone else if, if circumstances were different and would I still be in God's will? And I think the answer to that is yes and yes Christina will be upset with me for saying that but but it's the truth I mean right. I, I think I think we we limit ourselves because we have this idea this sort of almost romantic idea in yeah. some ways very western idea that there is only one path and we have to find the right path
2: Yeah, and I I like what you were saying, too. It is important, though, to look, you know, like like specific, and some of the practical in that, too, because, Mm -hmm. yes, like if person A and person B get married, I think, obviously, the Lord's will is for them to stay together and to fulfill the Great Commission, be faithful to one another.
0: And I'm not saying you should just go and marry Right, right, right. I don't think that works either. Right, because I I think
2: uh, there is a point you do need to be kind of like strategic if you because like if you can't get along with somebody yeah, there's, you, it's don't, you
0: have no business probably married. not the best thing to get
2: married you know um yeah so and yeah. like the same with like ministry like for me personally mm-hmm. i don't think it's the best thing in the world if i go be a missionary in a foreign country somewhere because mm-hmm. i don't i don't learn language very well mm-hmm. uh, learning cultures is tough for different cultural things, to I I don't know that I'm wired to be a missionary somewhere. I mean, I'm from Dobson, North Carolina, forever, <laughs> you know. Right. But uh, you know, but kids ministry, you know, right. I feel like that's what the Lord specifically has for my life. Yeah, and so, I, I think
0: there are some who are called to career missions yeah. and things like that, but I think everybody should be on mission. Right. I like what Danny Aiken says uh, about that. Like he says, don't don't ever pray whether you should go, but pray whether you should stay. Um, you know, like, why should I not instead of praying, you know, when a mission opportunity comes available, like, you know, to go to Guatemala or, you know, um, I've got a chance to go to Armenia. Don't pray. God, should I go to Armenia? Go. God, should I stay away from Armenia? You know, should I not go to, to, you know, it's more like, why should I, why should I stay as opposed to why should I go? Because there's always a call to go. Um, and so the question is whether or not God would have you to, to stay and give you reason for for staying. So, yeah, this is a good discussion. I know it's a little off topic from what you went into, but not entirely, I don't think, Jeremiah. Because I think at the end of the day, that promise that that God is going to be with you uh, if you follow God, He'll never leave you, is 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 really it's all about His discerning His will and finding His will, and um, you know, and and. I think the sort of practical side of that and the side that I don't think you got a chance to explore yesterday is what we just talked about mm-hmm. in, terms of, in terms of his will for our lives. And so hopefully this has been a fruitful discussion for you guys who are tuning in and listening today. Um, we're going to cut this one a little bit shorter than normal. Um, uh, and I know Jeff's not here. Jeff will be preaching the next message on Sunday. He's been preaching sort of a Father's Day message talking about uh, from Proverbs. Uh, hold on a second. I've got it right here. So, um,
2: Proverbs 1,
0: what is it? it's clo- close, hold on, hold on, where's that, it's Proverbs eight. there it is, okay. my son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, so that's where he's going to go, I think he's going to talk about hearing the instruction of your father, and uh, sort of a Father's Day sort of message, we'll talk more about that on the following Monday. Uh, or Wednesday, just depends. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what things are going to look like next week. VBS uh, week, it is VBS <laughs> week. We're going to be very busy here at Rosa Sharon trying to prepare for vacation Bible school, and so we'll we'll see we'll see where things land uh, next week. But that's next week. Um, all right, so that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, If you have any questions or anything you want to toss in about the will of God or or about uh, the promises we've talked about today on the podcast, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can email us at rosbcpastors, plural, at gmail.com, and we would be glad to hear from you. Well, that's going to do it for today. We'll wrap it up here. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see
1: you on the next one. So long.